Overdose deaths in our community and in the country are on a rise. According to the CDC's National Center for Health Statistics, there are an estimated 100,306 drug overdose deaths in the United States during the 12-month period from April 2020 to April 2021, which was an increase of 28.5% from the 78,056 deaths during the same period the year before. Harm reduction is a vital piece of keeping our community safe and healthy. We hope today's panel will highlight the work being done in our community to meet people where they are, keep people who use drugs safe, and prevent more overdose deaths. On today's podcast, we have Chief Kurt Leibolt from UW Oshkosh, Amanda Tennyson from Vivant Health, and Daniel Florence from the Health Department. Stay tuned because they're up next. Hello, Danielle, Amanda, and Kurt. Welcome to the Breakwater Podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. I think it's very important to the listeners to hear who you are and why you're here. Danielle, can you start us off with an intro of yourself and what harm reduction is? Sure. Uh, My name is Danielle. I'm a community health strategist with the Winnebago Health Department. And one of my roles here is with our harm reduction efforts, which currently consists of the LifePoint program, Narcan, and fentanyl test strips. Um, Just a little bit of background. So in Winnebago County, we have an overdose fatality review team. Uh, which is a team that involves more than 40 partner organizations in our community who come together each month and they share data and identify, you know, what we could have done differently to prevent overdose deaths in our county. And one of their more startling finds, um, and Hannah had talked about this in the intro with um, the federal level, but more locally, um, what we found is that from 2019 to 2021, overdose deaths in Winnebago County doubled from 19 in 2019 to over 40 suspected in 2021. And that's due in large part to the rise of a synthetic opiate called fentanyl, which we'll get into um, a lot later. Um, but today we're going to really be talking about LifePoint, um, Narcan, and fentanyl test strips. Thank you, Amanda. I'm going to give you the floor. Uh, can you give a brief introduction of yourself and your agency? Sure. Um, so my name is Amanda Tennyson. I am the prevention specialist at Vivant Health in Appleton. Um, So Vivant Health is an HIV medical home that provides um, client-centered care um, for people living with HIV. We are the only HIV medical home in America recognized by the Centers for Medicaid and Medicare Services. Um, So some of our services we offer are medical, dental, behavioral health, pharmacy, legal, Um, All of our offices have case management and food pantry, and then we also have um, housing um, programs as well. Then our prevention department, which is the department that I'm from, um, we offer condom distribution, confidential HIV, hepatitis C, and syphilis testing, um, individualized prevention support. We have a prep department, um, the LifePoint syringe access program, Uh, We distribute fentanyl test strips, naloxone, and we offer substance use treatment. 
Thank you. Uh, and finally, Chief Leibolt, uh, can you give the li- listeners a brief introduction of yourself and why you're passionate about harm reduction? Sure. Thank you, Hannah. Um, I'm Kurt Leibold. I'm Chief of Police at the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. I've been doing that for the past six years. Uh, I've been policing for 33 years now. I spent the first 26 years of my career policing in the city of Milwaukee, which had many challenges uh, around uh, drug use and overdose issues. So um, I've seen many strategies in my career um, for drug abuse, for, for the um, prevention of drug overdose. Some worked very well, some were awful. So. Uh, I like to bring that experience with me. Um, but as far as the harm reduction piece, um, my community is the university community. And right now, the number one cause of overdose deaths in, for my age group is fentanyl. And that's something that's very alarming to me. We're right in the middle of the city of Oshkosh, and we understand the issues that our region is having. And uh, we can't think that we're going to be immune to those um, as well. And before we get into really the the core of what we're talking about today, I wanted to bring in that, you know, when we talk about substance use work, it's important to bring in lived experience. Um, And Amanda, I know you professionally work for Vivant, but do you mind touching on your own lived experience with harm reduction? Sure. Um, So I am a person in long-term recovery from IV heroin use. Um, I was able to stop injecting after I went to jail for um, drug charges in 2013. Um, So I was facing 14 years in prison and while I was incarcerated I still sat there thought about getting high um, you know leaving jail thinking that I was going to inject water because the whole process is um, an addiction. So I just thought people got clean. I had no idea about the resources that were available to me. Um, So while I was using, I utilized the needle exchange program, which at the time it was called ARCW. Um, They never judged me. They never made me feel like I was less of a person because I was in active addiction. And there I was trained on how to use Narcan. Um, They supplied me with clean utensils um, for a safe injection. And they would ask me every time I was there if I was ready for treatment. Um, The staff that was there was always polite and welcoming. Um, So it made it more comfortable to be there. Um, In 2013, I overdosed behind the wheel and I was brought back to life with Narcan by the paramedics. Um, My lips were blue. I had no heartbeat, so I was literally dead. Um, I was eventually picked up for my drug charges, started attending 12-step meetings while I was incarcerated. Um, I met my sponsor and I worked a program. Uh, A couple years later, I took a recovery coach training, um, which opened my eyes to different avenues of recovery and harm reduction. Um, So November of 2013, I walked out of jail with nothing but the clothes on my back. Um, I didn't even have custody of my kids. And um, six years later to the day, I had an interview at Vivant Health, again, then ARCW. Um, Utilizing the exchange has allowed me to stay safe and help save other people's lives with Narcan during my active addiction. Um, And now I'm able to help save lives and keep others safe through my work. Uh, Without harm reduction, the rates of HIV and hepatitis C would be so much worse than they are. Um, So many incredible people, including myself, would be dead. Uh, We can't stop the problem with drugs, but we can help guide people to a new way of life. So harm reduction is meeting people where they're at and not leaving them behind. Thank you for sharing your personal experience. I want to touch uh, 
on that last sentence, you know, meeting people where they're at. And, you know, we're all here today because, you know, we have a passion for harm reduction. And can we just kind of expand on that and really talk about how necessary harm reduction is and vital for, you know, all community members in the areas that we work? Sure. Um, I guess for just some basic level background of what harm reduction is, is, is exactly what it sounds like it is. Um, it's trying to mitigate those risks associated with drug use. So it's using practical strategies and ideas. And the whole point of it is to reduce those negative consequences associated with drug use, things like safer use, managed use, safety, all sorts of stuff. And it does, it meets people where they're at on their journeys. And it just makes, it, it humanizes, right? Like people are people regardless of whatever else is going on. And that's something we have to keep in the front of our minds is every person deserves dignity and respect. And harm reduction is a huge piece of that. Um, and it looks different depending on what community you're in, depending on each person that walks through your door, that can look a little bit different. Um, and it's all about keeping those people safe and getting them the tools that they need to, to remain safe. Kurt, can you kind of touch on, you know, you were the only college campus at UW System, UW Oshkosh, who has um, Narcan available, and, and why for you was that really important to have on your campus? Well, you know, I've, um, I've learned a lot during my career, and um, one thing you hear law enforcement say is, um, and recently you hear them say that, you know, the sanctity of life should be our number one goal, always, and, and that's really what we're trying to do at Oshkosh by putting um, the Narcan, the naloxone in our residence halls, is we want to save a life. And as, as, I, as I hear um, Danielle and I hear Amanda talking, um, we weren't always like that in law enforcement, and I can reflect back on the history of what I've done. And spe specifically in the crack epidemic of the late 80s, early 90s, what you saw was um, more of an enforcement type of uh, strategy. And ultimately, the users were put in prison for long sentences, and, and that didn't work. Um, we didn't help people that needed help in recovery. We didn't help the families because we were breaking them up. And what I saw in Milwaukee, because specifically it was in the poorer neighborhoods, is you, you really lost a whole generation of people. And I feel that's part of my responsibility, since I lived through that, to also <coughs> remind people of the strategies that didn't work so we don't repeat those again. So, so as I fast forward to, through my career to, to Oshkosh at the university, I'm still number one priority is trying to save lives. And I never want to have a student overdose. And um, right now with fentanyl, that, that, that's the complete game changer because students, unfortunately, will take once in a while, they'll take Adderall. They'll take prescription drugs that may be counterfeit, and that could be deadly for them. So um, the whole idea is to have Narcan available. Um, if they needed an emergency, it's there. If they have a loved one or a friend who may be struggling and they want to have Narcan on them, it's also there for them. This is a community resource. Uh, we want to get as much Narcan out in the community as much as possible and start reducing the stigma around that. I think, too, with that, as I was there a few weeks ago, and there was a student there who said, you know, she attends, like, raves and these parties and things, and she grabbed a bunch of Narcan just because she wanted to make sure if she noticed anything that she was prepared. And it was really cool to see that she was like, no, I'm ready to take this active stand and be part of my community and keep them safe. And it was just really cool to see that level from a student care that much about complete strangers. Yeah, so, I mean, 
for people who party on the weekends or, you know, maybe using for the first time, they're not familiar with what's going on in the, um, the drug using community. Um, so prescription medications or ecstasy or MDMA is being, uh, repressed with fentanyl. So they have no idea what's about to happen, you know, if they take that, um, and then it happens and it's, it's too late. You know, there's people that don't know about Narcan or, or where to find it. Um, so I think having it at the college is incredible and it will help save a lot of lives. And I think too that unless you know, unless you've been taught what to look for, it can be really easy for someone to overdose in front of you right. and you just don't know. And fentanyl, too, it's not like it looks different. It's just in things. So you can't see it. You can't look for it. It's just in things. So having those types of resources like Narcan just with you at all times is, is a great thing to do. You know, there's, uh, there's urgency around this issue right now, and um, a lot of people don't understand that. And part of harm reduction is, is stopping this emergency and getting um, the resources out there to save lives so we can start getting people in treatment. That's why we did this um, at the university, and it's really started conversations. We started having more conversations in the university. Um, I certainly was reached out by um, people across the state wondering why we did this, how we did this. Um, so it's great to get this conversation rolling. Yeah, we can't stop it. So, you know, helping get through it until people figure it out is the best way to handle it. And you're really breaking that stigma uh, so the next question I have here is we often hear the phrase drug use is a choice. How do we reframe or help people realize addiction is a d disease and not a choice? Um, so addiction is absolutely a disease in the brain. Um, it's a neuropsychological disorder, which is characterized by a consistent use of substances regarding, or regardless of the consequences. Um, so continuous use of substances um, alters the brain functions to perpetuate cravings and undermine self-control. Um, so I can promise you as children, we don't dream about growing up to be an addict. We don't dream of hurting our loved ones or losing our self-control um, to the point where we don't even know who we are anymore. We want to fit in with our friends. We want to be accepted, um, just not knowing what is about to happen. So our bodies become physically dependent on that substance, which is one of the reasons that it's so hard to stop, uh, aside from the changes that occur in the brain. So for me, education is key to helping people understand um, and sadly, a lot of people don't understand addiction until it has affected them personally um, or somebody that they care about, um, which is something that I wish nobody had to experience. Um, so yes, we make that initial choice to use. However, we don't make that choice to become physically dependent on substances. And I think, again, it's important to remember people are people. Regardless of whatever else is going on, they're still a person. They still deserve dignity and respect and that's the least all of us can do is offer that to each person and I think it is like people the stigma on it is so big um, but nobody because it's illegal but nobody wants to talk about you know alcohol which is legal or nicotine um, caffeine people are addicted to sex to gambling um, but those things are all legal so it's not really talked about um, 
So the stigma just needs to be reduced on substance use. And I think people don't think about the stigma itself is just as detrimental as anything else that's going on. We could get rid of that stigma. It would take care of so many other issues because people could access treatment. They could talk about it, and we don't talk about it. And, you know, just like mental health, um, substance use is something that's lifelong. It's not we're going to go to treatment and we're cured, we're fixed. You know, people relapse um, or tragic life events happen, um, and that's the way we know how to numb those feelings or, you know, get through them. You know, breaking the stigma is, is one of the reasons why we put the Narcan in the residence halls um, and having um, classes and training around it so people can have a better understanding. And um, it, even though in the beginning it was, um, it was met with um, pretty good support, and, and I want to thank my chancellor, Andrew Levitt, for having the courage to allow us to do this uh, when I brought this to him. But I've been accused of being soft on crime. I've been accused of enabling and encouraging drug use on campus. I received emails um, telling us that we are now known as Drug University. Um, so there were people that pushed back on this idea. And, and that's, those are the people that we need to reach out to and, and help them be informed around this topic. Um, and, and we had training at the university that was well attended. And since then, um, I received nothing but um, supportive emails from the community saying that we need to continue this type of training. I want to talk about that training for a second because I was able to attend. Uh, Dan I know Danielle was there. Um, and there was two moms who both lost their sons to overdoses. Um, and, you know, I think just sitting there and listening to their stories, um, lifting up their loved ones and bringing awareness of how maybe having Narcan or being aware of the signs of an overdose could have potentially saved their son's lives. Um, so I thank you for letting them come on and share their story and, Amanda, you sharing your story and right and, and again humanizing these people who are using substances needs to be shared more. Um, so I just want to thank you again for hosting that event because uh, that created a huge impact in, on me personally as well. Yeah, me as well. And it could happen. And the mothers, uh, the mothers of these their sons died of overdoses living in the residence halls in a UW school. It wasn't Oshkosh, but it could have been. It could have been us. So. Um, that's why we're prepared, and, and I'm happy to report that a number of other of the universities now are following our lead, and they're putting the boxes in their residence halls as well. So um, It was great for the community to, to understand and get a greater understanding of what addiction is. Um, people were afraid to use Narcan. They didn't know if it would hurt somebody if somebody wasn't overdosing, so um, that's human nature. And what we did with this training was show them how simple it was to administer Narcan, and give them the confidence to be able to do it in a time uh, when it's necessary. I think people don't understand seriously how easy it is to use Narcan. If you've been to Walmart and seen like a Flonase, you have basically seen what Narcan looks like. It looks just like that. It is very easy to administer. Can't hurt someone who's not overdosing. Like It is the easiest thing to administer. Um, so... I hear a lot that um, when clients come in and they disclose that they're using meth um, or other substances. So 
Naloxone is a medication that reverses an opiate overdose. However, with the rise in fentanyl and everything being cut with fentanyl right now, um, if somebody's utilizing a different substance um, other than an opiate and they overdose due to the fentanyl side of it, that naloxone will have the reversal effect um, regardless of the substance. Yeah, and maybe now is a good time to talk about like how Narcan actually works in the brain. Is your brain has these specific receptors for opiates. So if someone is using them, those chemicals come in and they say, "Woohoo, we found this like really specific thing for us. We're just going to sit here." And Narcan comes in and it goes, um, "You need to leave now," and it kind of boots it out and covers that receptor. So it reminds your body you need to keep breathing because those opiates coming in are telling your body stop breathing. So that's kind of how Narcan works is it comes in, boots them out, covers those receptors so that can't happen. So um, you touched on people not knowing the symptoms or signs of an overdose. Um, So a lot of the times um, people are still breathing, um, so they think that they're not in an overdose. Um, So some signs to look for um, if their lips are turning blue, um, if they're making like a loud snoring noise, that's a lot of the times people think that they're still good. Um, obviously, if they're not breathing or non-responsive, um, they become cold and clammy to the touch. Um, so if you're trying to get somebody's attention who you believe may be in an overdose and they're not responding, nine out of ten times they're in the midst of an overdose. So having Narcan on you, regardless of what you're doing or how often you're using, Um, could potentially save somebody's life. And even if they're not overdosing, can't hurt them. It's not going to hurt them. Yep. If you're like, this might be, that's what it is, do it. It's, it will not hurt them. So please administer Narcan. Yeah. I could give myself Narcan right now and it may run out of my nose, but I'd be fine. (laughs) The the two mothers that uh, spoke at the training we offered, they, they spoke about when their sons uh, were overdosing, there were students with them and they didn't recognize the signs. So what we've also done at the university is create posters, and we have them on all the bathroom doors so the students can't miss it in the residence halls. And we've also placed them around uh, the athletic uh, areas, parts of our campus as well. But it talks about what are the signs of an overdose. It talks about um, counterfeit prescription pills. Um, And I think that's things that everybody should be aware of, not just the students at the university as as we go through this this issue. I really want to go back and touch on fentanyl. Uh, and that fentanyl is in everything, but for the listeners who, you know, maybe are that college age, want to try, you know, a substance for the first time, even, you know, your Adderall, marijuana, Xanax, those, you know, common drugs that you wouldn't ever think could cause an overdose. Can we go back and just talk about how the prevalence of fentanyl and how strong fentanyl is comparative to just taking a normal drug? Yeah, Um, so in the last few years, fentanyl has uh, been on the rise. So like Danielle mentioned earlier, uh, fentanyl is a synthetic opiate. Um, It's about 100 times stronger than heroin. Um, So it is being cut into substances, which, you know, has caused an increase in overdoses. Um, Again, people think that the only people that are at risk are people who are using opiates. Um, However, like I said, it's anybody, whether, you know, you struggle with addiction, 
um, someone parties on the weekends, um, or they're using substances for the first time. So Vivant Health has been providing uh, fentanyl test strips since 2018 to clients, um, which allows them to see if fentanyl is in their substance. Uh, this gives the client the opportunity to protect themselves and change their behavior, which is actually the goal of providing these strips. Um, so the data that we receive back is client-led, um, and although the strips can't tell you how much or what kind of fentanyl is in your substance, it does um, tell you that it has been detected. So there's more than 20 different types of fentanyl out there, um, and these fentanyl test strips test for about um, six of the main ones, including carfentanil. Um, carfentanil is an elephant tranquilizer. Um, so clients report back changes in their behavior, which include um, using less of the substance, uh, testing their shot, throwing their drugs away or returning them to the dealer, uh, making sure to have naloxone on hand, using with other people, and then sharing those results within their community. Um, so the fentanyl test strips are actually just a tool to help mitigate overdoses um, and provide people with an informed decision or to make an informed decision. And I think um, at the health department, we have an agreement with Vivant. So Vivant provides us with our fentanyl test strips. And it has been incredible to watch people come in and actively ask about it, want to be trained, teach other people how to use it because they want to be safe too. And they want to know what they're putting in their bodies too. So it has been really cool to see people coming in and asking for them and talking with staff and asking questions. And they have really insightful questions. And I learn a lot from people coming in and it just, it helps humanize everything that's going on. Like this is a real person in front of you asking you legitimate questions to stay safe. And it is really cool how many people have been using them. I mean, people who are using substances, you know, it's not their intention to overdose and to die. Um, so when I started with Vivant Health and I learned about these fentanyl test strips um, and I started getting reports back from clients, they would tell me that they threw their drugs away or they returned them to the dealer. And like my first thought was the dealer accepted it back or I would never throw my drugs away when I was using. Um, but the the changes that they do make are incredible to hear. You know, that's what we want them to do. So um, they are saving lives, um, whether people agree with it or not. Um, it is something that is um, harm reduction and gives them the opportunity to potentially get clean. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, t going back, say where, you know, I'm with a friend, somebody's overdosing. There's always that fear. Um while using, you know, illicit substances that, you know, this is, you know, I could go to jail if I help somebody with an overdose. Um, can we talk about the Good Samaritan law and kind of what that means if you happen upon somebody who's overdosing or you yourself are? Sure. Um, so in general, the situation is really scary, um, whether you're using substances or not. Um, having to respond to an overdose is stressful. Um, it's scary. Um, and sometimes people just forget what to do. Um, so the Good Samaritan Law, um, there's a huge discussion on it right now about it being in sunset. Um, the Good Samaritan Law is actually still in place um, to whoever is providing um, aid to a person who may be experiencing an overdose. 
Uh, similar to how you can't be held liable for cracking somebody's ribs during CPR, uh, you can't be held liable for making a good faith attempt um, to aid in an overdose. However, uh, there is no longer the protection for possible drug charges of paraphernalia, possession of a controlled substance, or a controlled substance analog. Um, so originally, the 911 Good Samaritan Law was put into place in 1963 um, to protect medical professionals to aid in um, helping outside of clinic areas. Um, and so in 2014, the expansion um, to substances was put into place. That is the part that has been removed, is just the protection for charges. At the university, we, we have the something called medical amnesty, and we encourage the students, if they need help, if they've um, used illegal substances, if they've been underage drinking and now they need help, um, they can call us and we won't, um, we won't charge them criminally with anything they've done. Or if they call on behalf of a friend or somebody else who needs help, same situation. Um, we, we certainly want our students to, to use Narcan and help somebody stop overdosing, but we also want them to notify us so we can take the next steps to get somebody help, whether that medi be medically or maybe counseling or whatever they need to get past their crisis. You know, and, you know, for somebody who has overdosed themselves, and I've also responded to overdoses um, in active addiction and you know, in being clean, I've um, aided in them. Um, I would hope that somebody would have enough, I don't want to say decency, but like not so much fear and like help and bring somebody, bring me to the hospital. Um, but that's what's happening is people are so scared, um, you know, whether they have warrants or whether they're on probation or parole. Um, of going back to jail or getting charged with that. Chief said earlier, people going to jail and taking them away from their families, you know, just because, you know, as addicts we fall back and we relapse doesn't mean that we should suffer long-term and have everything ripped away from us. Um, they don't give you the resources that you need while you're incarcerated or when you leave. Um, it's just kind of, here you go, you're out on your own. Um, so seeing people, you know, even clients that come in and they don't call 911 or they don't bring somebody to the hospital, brain damage starts about four minutes after no oxygen. Um, so it's a really quick process. So I think it would be a great idea for them to bring that part of the law back into play. Um, but also I have noticed in my work that people are reporting that they're not doing it, um, and there's a big increase on people not calling 911. What do you feel is the most important piece to keep your work moving forward? You know, at the university, I'm, I'm seeing it happening right now. It's the awareness. It's people rallying around this. I've Since we had the training, I have had so many people reach out to me and tell their own personal stories whether it be their own struggles with addiction or a family member that they're um, struggling with right now. So this is a community problem, and really that's what we need to solve the problem is the community to gather and, and make changes and make this happen 
we all want a healthy community, and um, but we have to do it as a community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would play off that and just say if we could work on that stigma piece of just talking like we do any other type of disease. We don't we don't have this around something like diabetes. You know, we're able to talk about that. This is a disease too. It shouldn't be any different than that. So being able to openly talk about that, reducing some of that stigma that's out there would help so much in some of these situations. And the other piece too is just if I could have everyone walking around with Narcan 24-7, that would change (laughs) everything. Because if you're walking up or you're going in somewhere and you're seeing something and you're like, hey, I wonder if that's what's going on, imagine how much different it would be if everyone knew what an overdose looked like. If everyone had the capability of using Narcan, if everyone had Narcan, it would be a huge game changer for us. Yeah, I mean, we're all at different points in life and we all struggle with different things. So um, educating people, remaining open-minded and accepting people for who and what they are and where they are in life. Um, So continuing to help provide resources to people in active addiction and community members um, will only help reduce that stigma. A big thing. Where can the community access Narcan, final test strips, and other harm reduction services? <laughs> um, so anyone can utilize Vivant Health's uh, prevention services. We provide naloxone and training for both the injectable Narcan and nasal Narcan. Um, also, people can Google um, the Narcan Direct or Narcan um, participants, it will bring them to the DHS page, um, which will provide a map of participating agencies by county, um, so the person can find um, an agency near them. So we also partner with other amazing amazing agencies um, who provide harm reduction services, so people can visit our website to learn more about our programs and how to access our services as well. I think, too, with Narcan Direct, um, the health department, Winnebago Health Department, is part of Narcan Direct. It's um, a good thing to be aware of on that website. It shows you where Narcan's available, but you kind of have to be looking for if it's free or if you pay a fee. Most pharmacies have it that you can just walk in, you can ask for it, you don't need a prescription, but you're going to pay for it. And generally speaking, it seems to run around 50 bucks. I think it's about $75 a kit. Yeah. So, but if you walk into a place like Vivint or Winnebago Health Department, we'll say, can we train you? And then here you go. And it doesn't cost anything. So just kind of be aware if you're using that website. It does say free if it's free, but it doesn't say anything if it's not free. So just something to look for if you're wanting that too. Um, The health department though, kind of as I mentioned earlier, we have a contract with Vivint that Vivint provides us um, with some of our harm reduction services. So we have our LifePoint um, syringe program and we have our fentanyl test strips through um, a connection with Vivint. So we have all of those for free at the health department. Um, And then again, as we mentioned, we do have Narcan here. We will train you. We will do trainings if organizations want that. Um, However, we can get that best out to people. We will do that. At the university, we have 14 Deluxe boxes. That um, 10 of them are in the residence halls, but That's then incredible. there's one in the Polk Library. There's one in Reeve Union. There is one in our Student Recreation and Wellness Center, and there's one located at the Culver Family Welcome Center. Those are open to the public, and if you want to go access and take Narcan in a somewhat anonymous way, th- those are options as well. 
And also, uh, Vibrant Health has 10 locations over the state of Wisconsin. Um, a lot of them are in the bigger cities. Um, and we do, again, partner with other agencies. So it is pretty easy to access. So I'm coming uh, to you, either Winnebago County Health Department or Vivint or even the campus. So I don't need to show, you know, I don't need to tell you my age or where I'm from. I could be from a different county. I don't have to be located in this county. Is that what you're telling me? So at Vivint Health, we do ask for a name um, and just demographic information. Um, and then we'll ask you if you've had to use Narcan um, other than that, it doesn't go anywhere. Um, it's just for our system. Um, but people people still get worried about mm-hmm. giving names. Um, I mean, if it comes down to it and somebody needs Narcan and they don't want to give me a name, that's totally fine. I would rather you have Narcan than sit here and freak out about giving a name. And uh, we're somewhat similar at the health department, but we do not ask for names. We do ask for all that demographic information, but we we don't request names. You don't need an ID. You don't need insurance. None of that stuff. We're just going to ask you some basic demographic questions. We'll ask you if you need training, and that's it. We're not going to delve into everything that's out there. We really just want to help and make it as easy as possible. Yeah, we don't ask for IDs, so if you give me a name, you give me a name. And at the university, it's just a uh, box on the wall that contains Narcan. Um, it also contains a, um, a sheet that teaches you how to use Narcan and apply it. Um, you can go take it. Um, the boxes will let us know that somebody was in the box, and we will restock it if it's needed. So it's not somebody's going to rush over there to see who took it. The idea is to um, make it available to the public. And don't they have those boxes in more locations than just the college, too? So we got these from Wisconsin Voices for Recovery. It's a group out of UW-Madison. They make these available to anybody who would like one, Uh, businesses, if they would like to put one, gas stations. So um, they've been very generous and great partners. So good group to reach out to. Yeah, I did a training on UWO campus a few weeks ago, and I had the students tell me, where are your boxes here? Because I wanted to see if they knew where it was. And they showed me it, and I was like, do you want to open it? And they were like, no, we don't, we don't want to send an alert. And I was like, it is fine. And so I opened it for them, and I was like, it's not scary. The police are not coming for you. They just, they'll get an alert that I've opened this box, and they'll come here and see the Narcan is still here, and it will be fine. Yeah. So I think having someone demonstrate that for them made that less scary for them, that they didn't, they were like, oh, I'm actually not tracked in any way, shape, or form, that this is not scary. Well, I mean, the alert goes off so they can replenish the supply. I mean, it's not, yeah, you're not in trouble. <laughs> it's not an audible alarm. It's a silent alarm that goes to Voices for Recovery, who then notifies that somebody went into the box. So it's not even a, an instant thing. Um, we, we put these boxes by the AED uh, boxes and also by our Stop the Bleed kits. So it's a centrally located thing. So if you're looking for one of these boxes, just look for the AED boxes. They're all together. Awesome. Thank you. I want to go uh, one final word for the listeners about the importance of harm reduction resources, and I want to hear that from all of you. Like uh, you know, like I said earlier, you know, we want this the stigma to be re- to be reduced, and we want people to feel comfortable talking about these issues and and carrying Narcan with them if they feel like that's necessary. Uh, after our training, we 
public health provided or the DA's office provided Narcan um, free, and they all were taken off the table. So that's that's fantastic. Um, we have made great strides in this county um, around this issue in the last six years or so. Um, and uh, even though we're still fighting this battle, um, a lot of progress has been made. So um, that's something that I think the listeners need to know is that there's a lot of really good people partnering around this issue. And I think that leads into our OFR that we have here, Overdose Fatality Review, that that is a big partnership around our community where it's all these different organizations rallying around this and going, we need more of this stuff. We need more harm reduction. We need more prevention types of services. We need to help people. We have to meet people where they're at and keep them safe. Because if we're not meeting them where we're at, we're doing no no good to anybody. We're not helping anybody if we're not doing that type of stuff. So I think having open, honest conversations about what is going on and how we can be of assistance in the situations that we're in and that people are people and people deserve our respect and dignity in all cases, in all situations. Yeah, um, so yeah, I completely agree. Um, so something to keep in mind is that individuals who use uh, substances are still people and they still deserve to be treated as such. Uh, we don't treat other people who have other disorders or diseases differently, so why the addict? Um, I literally would not be alive if it wasn't for harm reduction practices. Um, so we can recover, uh, we can't recover if we're dead. Um, so I hope the next time that you come across a person struggling with substance use disorder, you remember to have empathy for that person. We are all potentially one tragic event away from becoming an addict ourselves. Um, we don't know when or if that will happen to us. So instead of continuing with that stigma of substance use, let's learn, let's love, and let's help others um, who are struggling. Incredible. Thank you, uh, all three of you, for coming on this podcast today, Danielle, Amanda, and Chief Leibold. Uh, we are going to link all of the resources these wonderful people gave uh, in our show notes uh, so you can access them. Um, you know, all three places have uh, free Narcan, some, you know, free t fentanyl test strips. Um, so thank you again for reducing that stigma and all of your great work in the community around harm reduction. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you.